this scenario starts on a small Spanish island in the Mediterranean. The island is called Isla Morena, which translates to Brown Island. It has other names, but maybe they're lost to history. It was quite an important island in Roman times and in later in Moorish times, but it has since been relegated to something of a uh, forgotten backwater. Tourism is very much centred around the Andalusian coastline and some of the more larger and better, more developed islands, such as Ibiza and Mallorca. But yeah, Isla Morena is a beautiful, if somewhat desolate, island. It has a small population of mainly fishermen, farmers, craftsmen, craftspeople. <laughs> and it also, as is typical for a lot of these Spanish islands there, there is both a church and a convent on the island. It is July, so it is bakingly hot. The climate in the Spanish islands is actually more pleasant than on the mainland because you get the sea breezes, but it is nevertheless hot and humid. The cicadas make a deafening chorus amongst the pine trees that cover the hillsides. And we open with two people walking up a winding path through the forest, up from the small village of San Pedro, which is the main village on the island and is also the port. So these two people walk, walking up this winding path, they both have long hair, quite unkempt. Actually, before we carry on, Jack, do you have long hair? I'm guessing. Beard? Well, I think now the, the picture in my character sheet, you know, that was taken a few years ago. There aren't really that many photos of Jack. Right, right. Yeah, maybe maybe tie it back. You know, it's probably quite hot, isn't it, really? Yeah. Sweat is sort of running through your beard, Jack. And your friend Feet, also long-haired, he's wearing a loosely woven smock and sandals and ragged trousers. A loosely... <laughs> what's, what's funny about that? A loosely woven smock? Yeah. What's not funny about that? All right, he's wearing a cheesecloth... Muslin. Use the problem. It's muslin. Come on. Is it muslin? He's, he's wearing a muslin smock. A revealing light. Yeah, it's split down to his navel and his tightly curled hair on his chest is glistening with sweat running down his body. It's getting a bit saucy. Uh, anyway, and Feet looks to you and says, because uh, this fellow is, is called Feet. Why he's called Feet, I guess we may find out or may not. He stinks. Yeah, maybe it's those uh, blackened, long and almost curling over toenails of his that give him that name. And he looks to you and says, Jack, yeah, man, it's, it's, only, it's only another mile. You're looking a bit peaky there. You're right. You're not, you don't look like you're built for this heat, Jack. Well, I, uh, I lost my hat last spring. Blew away. But, well, you know, you could carry one of these bags of tools if you like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm sorry, Jack. I'm sorry, Jack. Uh, yeah, pass it over here, man. What you got in there, then? What you got in that bag? Did you uh, make... Uh, I've got saws. Uh, I've got a drill. You have got electric up there, haven't you? Electric? No, no, man. You've got to be kidding. There's no electric up there. Well, I've got, I've got my electric drill, and I've got a couple of, you know, the old non-electric drills, you know. I've got some screws, nails, hammers. Right, right. Oh, groovy, man. So cool. Clamps. I've got a couple of, you know, look, that's a clamp there. 
clamp. What's that for then? Well, you know, in case I need to hold a couple of bits of wood together, really. You know, I've got some wood glue as well. So I might be holding, you know, what, so it's not the porch this time, is it? No, no, you know, I've, I haven't had nothing but trouble with that place ever since I bought it. Oh, yeah? It's uh, one thing after another, isn't it? I don't know. Well, I mean, it didn't look like uh, anyone had done any repairs on it for a few decades when I was up there before. Yeah, man, but this time it's a bit weird, you see. I reckon I've got termites, you know, he says with a... Oh. Sort of nodding his head. I don't remember seeing anything like that before. What makes you think it's termites? Well, you know, the sawdust. Isn't that... Yeah, 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 like little piles of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the sound of them sort of scratching around at night. Well, not far, is it, you say? No, no, just another half mile. I've got a well up there if you want to refresh yourself when you get up there. Like. Nice, that's very nice. I, I, I went for a dip this morning, so, I, you know, I'm okay, thanks. I'm okay. Okay, all right. I'm thinking to myself, termites don't make scratching noises. This guy is wasted. Yeah, he says, you haven't got any of that really nice weed, have you, that we had last time? I packed a couple of joints, but, you know, I'll just be having a look around today. You know, I uh, want to go back into the market later and... Um... Oh, yeah, but, you know, spark up a... Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, a doobie. Yeah, sure. It make, makes the work go fast. Yeah, which, why not? So... Yeah, not too early for you, is it, Jack? No, no. Oh, well, give it here. I've got some matches here. Here you go. And he strikes a match. And holds it up in front of your face. I'll wait until it's nearly burning his fingers. It's like, go on, it's burning down, Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you you both puff away, sharing the joint as you make your way up to the, the last few hundred yards up to this rather tumble down cottage perched halfway up the hill in a in a small clearing. And he leads you in, and. He says, come on, Ents, um, we're going to have to get the ladder. It's a single-storey cottage with obviously some kind of roof space or attic above, which can only really be accessed with a ladder. There's no steps going up, and there's just a, a kind of hatch in the roof, very crude hatch, not even hinged. It's really just a big square of wood just put on top of the hole. And he says, oh... Will you hold a ladder while I open up the lid? It's always a bit tricky because sometimes it I had it slip off once. Do you mind? I nearly broke my no. fucking neck. In a bungalow. A bungalow. <laughs> uh, you said it was a single floor building. Yeah, with a with an attic. With an attic, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's a bungalow still. It's a cottage. They don't have bungalows on Spanish islands. What were you doing up there, feet, to uh, nearly break your neck? Uh... Yeah, that, there was a funny smell coming from there about three weeks ago. Maybe it was those termites, get, you know. And it went away again, did it? Yeah, it went away, but then, you know, got the sawdust and, and the sound, you know, the scratching sound they make. Do you wear that uh, that costume when you, uh, when you wash? Oh, what, this caftan? Yeah. Why do you ask that? Well, I don't know. I mean, it, the smell could have come from that. Oh, I see what you mean. No, no, this this wasn't that. 
This wasn't that. This was sharp, like a sharp smell. A sharp smell. A sharp smell. Jack. A sharp yeah. smell. Yeah, man. Like acid. Not like acid, acid, but acid, acid. Right. I'll make a mental note of sharp smell for my poetry. Right, right. So <laughs> he sort of leans the ladder up. And you can see why it needs to be braced because it's really just resting on the lip of this opening. It's, it looks pretty unstable. And I guess you're, you you give it a bit of support. And he, he climbs up and he pushes the wooden lid across, leaving a dark opening, square opening up into the attic. And he says, all right, let's if you adjust the ladder now. We can both go up and it'll be all right. And he uh, comes down, adjusts the ladder so it's braced properly. And then he goes up and he says, oh, fuck. Could you bring up that oil lamp on the kitchen table, Jack? It's dark up here. Have a quick look around the kitchen. See if there's anything nice and tasty around. Or Maybe there's a pot on the stove. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just have a peek in, just out of curiosity. Just have a look in the pot. It's uh, some rice with some kind of saffron or something in it. Sort of yellow streaks. Then I'll I'll pick up the lantern on the table. Yeah. Mm. It's a um oil lamp. So you'll probably have to use your your lighter. Okay. Well, yeah, I should light it, shouldn't I? Because I've got a lighter or some matches or something. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Go up the ladder? Yeah, going up the ladder. Alright, so you go up. I'm waiting till feet is up there because I don't want to climb up after him, really. No. <laughs> you want to give him at least five feet of distance. Yeah. And as you get to the ladder, he, he pokes his head out. You see his grinning face up there. He's clearly a bit high and he says, come on up, Jack. It's all right. Perfectly safe. Oh, yeah. He's got a couple of teeth missing. But he's still got a nice grin. Yeah. Quick sort of tooth, bit of a tooth. We have a kind of antagonistic relationship, really. I don't think we really like each other. If we were in a city, I don't think we would really want to spend time with each other. But we're kind of, you know, there's not much choice, really, on the island. And he does get me to do a couple of jobs now and again, so... Yeah, I mean, Feet, he's he's what you would call a sort of... plays at being a hippie. He's actually got quite a bit of money, and he bought this house, and he's always got a bit of cash knocking about. Yeah. But like I say, you know, he gives me jobs now and again, you know, to come and replace a beam here and there. Mm, mm. But he always he's always forgetting that I've been there to, and you know, and all that stuff like, oh, you'd look like you're struggling in the heat. It's all bullshit really. But anyway, yeah, so I climb up the ladder. Yeah. And you you enter the thick, heavy atmosphere of the attic. It's very hot in there. Like it's been baking under the sun and the wood beams are giving off this sort of resinous, heavy smell, and there's dust around as you raise the lantern up, and it casts dark shadows into the corners and brightly lights up other parts. And Feet says, "Yes, it's over here in this in this corner. Look, come over and tell me what you think. I mean, I ain't seen nothing like this before, but I don't know much about wood." Mm. So look at him and get squeeze past put the lamp next to it he leads you along to a corner he says I reckon this is where the nest is nest the nest yeah 
don't they make nests, termites? I suppose if you can't see a nest, then um, I don't know. They, I think they just eat wood, don't they? Really? Yeah. And then he pulls aside a crate, and behind it, you see something a bit odd. It's not not a nest, but you see a small cactus. It's one of these round cactuses with with sort of webbing on it, with a sort of looks like almost like spider's web covering it. You've probably seen them before. They've got a funny name. They're called old lady cactus for some reason. Maybe the spider's web or uh, appearance, which which isn't spider's web. It's part of the cactus. So feet gets down his hands and knees and points to the cactus and he says, I reckon that's that's where they're coming from. What do you think? What? Feet? That's a cactus. If you think they're coming from the... Why don't you just bring it, take it downstairs? Well, I thought if you disturb them, they... Cacti? Well, I don't know. They might get agitated. You brought me up here to move a cactus down from your attic. All these holes everywhere. And you can see, actually, that there are signs of some kind of boring and little piles of sawdust around. And Feet turns his head to you to kind of look at you to see whether you've got any uh, ideas about what it is. It's a cactus. Cactus. And then he turns back and there's a sudden movement, a sudden motion that is almost inexplicable to you, Jack. And Maybe you start back because it's so sudden. The cactus suddenly just seems to propel itself forwards towards Feet's face. And it just slams into him and he lets out this muffled cry and he falls backwards and you can see that this cactus has shot out these tendrils and it's forcing its way into his mouth. And he's choking and he's gagging. And he's like... And before your eyes, this cactus just sort of levers itself into his mouth. It actually pulls his jaw open with its tendrils. And you see it rasping its way down into his throat. And you see a big lump in his throat as it forces its way down to his gullet. And I would like you to make a sanity roll, please. Fantastic. Okay. You've got a really low power, haven't you? I just rolled a five. Oh, well, if you've got, like, 35 power or something, 35 sanity or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah, excellent. All right, well, you only lose one point of sanity, but your involuntary action is to stagger backwards and, and drop the oil lamp. Yeah. And I think you need to make me a luck roll to see what happens to that flammable oil in the lamp. Okay. Here we go. Luck. <laughs> Just rolled a seven. You are very fortunate, very fortunate. The lamp doesn't even... It, it just lands, like, with a clunk, and it stays yeah. upright. Yeah. But the... Obviously, it's no longer illuminating a large area. Could it land in the crate? Just neatly in the crate, amongst all of the things that are in there? If you want, sure. Well, I just think then, then that reduces the illumination. Oh, throws yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, uh, some other shadows into the room. All right, so it lands in the crate, and in the dimmer illumination you can see with with horror that feet is writhing around on the floor next to you and groaning now i don't think that i brought any of my tools up did i not yet what's in the crate what is in the crate 
probably some old clothes and I don't know bits and pieces. Make a luck roll. Make another luck roll. Oh, that's sixty-eight. Unlucky. No, nothing that you could use as a. Well, I don't know. I imagine you were thinking of what levering his mouth open or something. I don't know what. I, don't ask me what I was thinking. Just leave. Just leave it. That's not. That's not mentioned. How high? How high is the ceiling? You know, from the floor downstairs. Probably about eight feet, nine feet, maybe. I tell you, I'm getting down the ladder as quick as I can. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Poor old feet. Hey. Eh? As you go down the ladder, you you hear his groaning noises subside, and then there is silence in the attic as you clamber down. And I think you're really freaked out. You're you're stoned for a start. You're high. What do you do? Well, the fact that he's not making a noise anymore rather makes me not want to go back up there. Okay, I'm going to get my tool bags. I'm going to pick my tool bags up, and. I want to make sure that all the windows and the doors are closed and I want to leave the place and I want to lock the door. Mm. Uh, so I just want to look round really quickly, check all the doors and windows are shut. Yeah. So there is a, a bunch of keys on the table. You're going you're gonna to take Feet's keys and lock, lock his door and leave? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, we will leave you there, Jack, having seen someone that you knew pretty well just be well attacked by a cactus i think we know a bit more about jack now don't we so let's move over to sid long sid long hmm. so sid you're in the back of a beaten up old sayat taxi probably the only taxi on the island stiflingly hot the, it, it's a real bone rattler this car you're sitting in the backs on the sweaty vinyl seating on the back seat crushed up against Jimmy who's also brought some uh, equipment Jimmy of course Jimmy Turnbull your longtime collaborator in the creation of your art oh I don't think even Sid thinks of it as art no Jimmy Turnbull of course is, is your director what does he look like? I, I haven't really got a picture of Jimmy in my head. Or of Sid, for yeah. that matter. Well, I, Jimmy, I'd say, is a younger man, probably in his early to mid-30s. Uh, fairly wiry-looking, filled with a, a sort of manic energy, you know, very enthusiastic about everything. Uh, Sid, on the other hand, is about 10 years older, maybe 15 years older. A bit more world-weary. He's got thinning curly hair. Uh, he's, he's put on a bit of weight. He's quite heavy-set. He's a bit unshaven at the moment, bleary-eyed. Obviously not dealing with the heat very well. Lobster red. Fanning himself with a, a hat that he picked up on the way here. Wearing a, a loose-neck shirt with uh, that's revealing a lot of grey chest hair and a few chains. And he's, he's just, yeah, just sitting there on the back seat, fanning himself, going, Fucking hell, don't, don't they pay the fucking roads here? Jimmy says, Listen, see, I, I think it's a miracle there's even a, even a fucking road going up this place. From what I've heard about, about this island. Oh. These locals. Oh, better be worth it, then. Better be worth it. We could have done this whole thing on the soundstage. I, mean, I don't see why we have to fucking shoot on location. It's going to jack up all the costs. We're going to have to get a crew out here. What's wrong with a nice soundstage? Well, come on, Sid, you know the game, don't you? 
tax breaks, let's say, cash in hand, keep it all off the books kind of thing. These locals around here, just give them a couple of quid and they'll do anything, from what I've heard. Yeah, all right, I guess we'll get creative with the accounting. Might be able to do something with that. Yeah, plus I've heard they're not too squeamish about killing the odd animal or two for, you know, authenticity, you know, putting it on the camera. You can't do that back at Shepperton, can you? Yeah, all right, all right, yeah, yeah, I can see that we'd do something with that. I mean, we're going to have to get a whole load of Kensington gore in anyway, but I guess a bit of real blood will mix with that nicely. Absolutely. Anyway, listen, uh, what I've heard, there's some real freaks up at this place. I mean, real grade A freaks. I mean, you ain't here to spend much on makeup and prosthetics on this lot. What, like in the convent? Yeah, yeah. Something about inbred or, I don't know, weird looking. That's what I've heard. That's why I brought you up here. I thought you could have a look, see what you think. I reckon they'll make a. I guess we could use some of them as extras. I mean, between you and me, I was thinking, I mean, if we're, if we're shooting this in a convent, I mean, we want some totty there. We don't want any freaks. I mean, yeah, the way I'm seeing it, I mean, I, I know we don't have a script yet. I mean, we'll, we'll write the script around the location. I mean, When's that ever stopped us? When's that ever stopped us? But, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the way I'm seeing this, right, we've got this cruel mother superior and she's using the convent as her torture chamber, breaking the wills of young girls. And, yeah, lot, lots of nudity, lots of blood. I mean, yeah, blood and tits, blood and tits. As long as we've got those, everything's going to be golden. Absolutely. Uh, blood on the tits, always. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We should say that as a title sometime. B- blood on the tits, yeah. Yeah, it's lovely, that. Now, listen, I've had to pull a few strings, though, because apparently they're they're not like regular people they're a bit of course not they're fucking nuns yeah no no i mean the um what do you want to call them the uh, the inmates not inmates i don't know what it's like some kind of hospital or something i don't know well i thought you said it was a convent yeah but they look after you know these what, like leopards oh yeah something like that but i don't know they said it was freaks or inbred but shooting in a fucking leper colony uh, yeah but it'll look really have you ever seen a leper sid uh, no. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. As I said, no need for any makeup. I saw one once. Had no nose. Oh, great on uh, on 35mm. Yeah, all right. You've got more of an eye for these things than I have. Yeah, well, look, I'm the artist, you're the money. That's how it always works, isn't it, Sid, eh? One call of fucking art, would I? Look, don't forget, I mean, we're not looking to make art here. We're looking to make money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, always, always. But didn't I hear that you had some problems raising the cash for this one? Didn't you have to go and see some... Uh... Well, I heard you went off to those fellas out, out in uh, Leytonstone, didn't you? Don't know where you heard that. Right. All right, well, look, your business is your business, Sid. I just want to make sure there's no outside pressure. You see what I mean? Look... This is going to be our film. As long as we make some money on it, as long as we make a good return, that's going to be fine. Like I say, I mean, you make sure it all looks good in front of the camera. You make sure that we've got all the blood and, and you know, naked young women that our audience wants. And, yeah, we'll take care of the rest. We'll sell this thing, put together some nice lurid posters for it. It'll make ten times what we put into it. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Anyway, look... Wow, look at that. You sort of 
turns his head on its side to get a good view through the front window, which is a bit the, the grimy um, uh, windscreen of the Seat. And you can see perched high up on a craggy outcropping of rock is this quite ominous looking convent. It's grey walled and austere. It looks almost more like a prison than a convent. He said, well, what do you reckon to that? Yeah, I think you're onto something here. Yeah, nice opening shot of that at dusk. Oh, yeah. That has set the chills up the spine, wouldn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. I'm a bit worried about all this sunlight, though. Never makes good mood, does it? I don't know, what do you think? I think the sun goes down eventually, doesn't it? That's true, that's true. Oh, I don't know. Some of those uh, bleached-out look, you know what I mean? Very dry flies buzzing around maybe you could do something with it well we've got to be shooting indoors most of the time anyway so it doesn't matter true true and then you the car clanks to a halt and the the rough engine sort of idles over as the the cabbie turns to you and he points to his watch and he says cuanto cuanto tiempo cuanto tiempo and jimmy looks at you and says i don't speak the lingo do you sid i think he's yeah Oh, Sid just shrugs. He drops a handful of pesetas into, you know, onto the driver's seat beside him and just says, you fucking wait here, and gets out of the cab. And he goes, si, 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 senor. And he picks up with a grin the, the big pile of pesetas that you put down. And Jimmy says, you sure you got the exchange rate right, Sid, <laughs> as you head into the convent? And you are greeted. Seems like you were, you, you probably arranged this, you were expected, by... The mother superior who has come out to greet you. And she is a rather plain, bland-faced woman, probably in her early 60s. It's hard to really get a good idea of what she looks like because she's wearing the habit. And she comes over and she says, Oh, Senor Long, I'm so pleased you could come to see us. You know, we are always in need of good friends who can help provide for the poor people of the island. Oh, that's what we're here for, Mother. We're, yeah, we're here as friends. Is that the right way to address you, Mother? Mother Superior, I, I guess, in, in your in English. Or Madre, if you wish to. Madre. Madre. All right, I'll try that. Madre. Yeah, that's what we're here for. We're, we're here for you, for your community, and, well, obviously, to make a picture. Magnifico, magnifico. Un pelicula, oh, well. Oh. How wonderful, how wonderful it, it would be. Maybe you could put our good work on shore, the, 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 what we do for the community, the, the sick and unwell people of this island. Oh, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll do all that. Now, uh, I understand from your fr- friend, Senor Turnbull, that you wish to meet some of our patients. Yeah, at the moment... There's two things we want to do today. One is we want to get the lay of the land, see see what the convent's like, see whether there's any you know any nice moody places where we can shoot some scenes, you know, inside and out. And yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to meet. I mean, some of the nuns, some of the residents. I mean, if you've got any young pretty nuns, that'd be even better. But don't worry about that too much. We can bring some in from elsewhere. But yeah, some of the residents, that's good. See, uh, see, of course, of course, I understand you must look at the uh, space, the spacio, to uh, maybe to understand how to shoot the film. I do not know much about these things, of course. I <laughs> Neither do I, Madre, but that's what I've got Jimmy here for. No, please be, um, uh, how you say, uh, silencio, quiet. With uh, When you meet our friends in in here, some of them are unstable, a little... Uh, 
You, you understand? I do. Yeah. Please do not talk to them directly or or to um, I don't know disturb them in any way. They are delicate flowers. Will be the very souls of discretion, Madre. Oh, right, right. Now, uh, as you see here, we come in to we have a, this big courtyard here, which is. It is very old, this convent, as you can see. Uh, it was built in in the 16th century. I, oh, um, Yes, yes, there, there has been a, pres a Catholic presence here for hundreds of years on this island. Yeah, yeah, very fancy. The tower, the bell tower, is also beautiful, no? She points to this, this quite imposing bell tower. Yeah, Jimmy, do you think we'd be able to get a stunt woman to fall out of that? Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, you put a couple of mattresses down, it'd be fine, won't it? Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, maybe I'll tell you what, if by any chance someone happens to pop their clogs while, while we're filming, just chuck their body off. What do you reckon? That'd make a nice. What do you reckon? Well, I mean, if what you say about the laws here is true, yeah, yeah we might be able to get away with that. I tell you what, I've always wanted to film a, a dead body, like, impacting on hard cobblestones. Yeah, better make sure it's not too ripe, though. Yeah, that's true, that's true, yeah. And the Mother Superior leads you through the courtyard of the convent. The convent of Santa Eulalia, eh? Oh, Eulalia, yes, yes. Eulalia, Eulalia, right. Okay, so, absolutely. So the, the Mother Superior leads you through the courtyard of the convent of uh, Santa Eulalia, and takes you through to the west wing, I suppose, the west side of the convent. And she says, Our patients are, I like to call them our, our sheep uh, that we tend, our flock. But I guess you would call them patients. They are in these rooms here where they, where they have peace. They look out over the mountains down to the sea. It, it calms them. It makes them feel more oh. serene, closer to God. Yeah, it's a lovely view. And you go into the first room, and sitting there are two really strange-looking men. Their features are gross and heavy, and they have strange lumps on their faces, and cauliflower ears, and bulbous noses, and puffy cheeks, heavy drooping eyelids, protruding brows, thick dark eyebrows and wild scraggly hair strange sproutings of beard hair coming out of dark black moles on their chins and cheeks and oh. uh, they're wearing simple linen clothing rough linen clothing and you can see that they probably have other deformations of the body as well hidden thankfully by the clothing oh, say to Jimmy sotto voce Fuck me. I think we've just found Rondo Hatton's ugly brothers. Yeah, yes. Sid. Oh, I think this is the mother load. I've got some ideas. I've got some really good ideas. Yeah. What about cannibal tribesmen of the convent? No, no, that doesn't work. Something like that. Maybe the convent's under siege by cannibal tribesmen from the hills. We could get this lot, get them up on the hill, get them charging down, screaming. No, 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 no. If we're sticking with the idea of the, the murderous, sadistic Mother Superior, maybe these are her henchmen. Yeah, these are the yeah. hirelings that she's got. Yeah, that. Uh... Or, 
Maybe she takes them in as patients and then, you know, bends their minds and turns them into monsters. That's it. Experiments on them. Yeah. Down in the basement. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And then Jimmy turns to another superior and says, got any more we can look at? And the mother superior is slightly taken aback. And she says, well, yes, we we have many more of uh, these, uh, these unfortunate men and women. So, I mean, don't think me indelicate, Madre, but what's wrong with them? Oh, it is an illness. Uh, it's a contagious illness, is it? Oh, no, no, it is something that comes on in in later years. What, like uh, hereditary? It's, it's in the blood, is it? Yes, it is a sangre in the blood. Thank God for that. Yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy's taken a couple of steps back as you were having that conversation. He says, no, 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 it is not contagious. No, um, you know, we are perfectly healthy, but there is no cure. But they are gentle people. We, well, most of them are gentle. And then you hear this sort of scream come from outside down the corridor. And she looks up with this look and says, yes, yes. Most of them are, are gentle. Sometimes they get agitated, as as you can hear. And, and then Jimmy says, we should go and have a look at that one, I reckon. Uh, I don't know. You see, the quiet ones like this, I mean, we could probably stir them up into you know, acting a bit rough on camera. But the ones that are out of control, we're not really going to be able to get them to calm down when we need, are we? I think this through, mate. Well, I don't know. Put, give them a shot of something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, a few barbiturates. Yeah, you you always carry a good caseload of, of uppers, don't you? Downers and whatever, reds, blues. Yeah, 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 got loads of my carry-on. Yeah. So Jimmy says, come on, let's, why don't we go and have a, have a peek? Yeah, right, but yeah, just about my words, I mean, we it's going to be easier to rile up the docile ones. Yeah, I reckon, but he says to the mother superior, he says, so, uh... Is this, like the ones that got it worse, do they look different? And she says, ah, yes, you you are right. You are a perceptive man, Mr. Turnbull. It is a, uh, how you call it, a progressive disease. Yes. As time passes, they become more agitated and the, the deformations become more pronounced. Well, I suppose we'd better take a look then. And you head down the corridor... And the mother says, yes, we keep the more advanced cases at the far end to maybe separate them a little from the more recent cases. And as you walk down the corridor, you're looking in through the barred windows to the rooms, which now look more and more like cells. The first one you're in didn't have barred window to the outside or a barred door, but they, the further ones do. And as you make your way down, the deformed nature of these poor unfortunates becomes more and more extreme. Sid's eyes are lighting up as he's going down, just peeking in through these windows. And uh, yeah, he's trying to suppress a smile. And yeah, after he's seen about a half dozen, he just turns around and gives a little wink to Jimmy and says, Todd Browning, eat your fucking heart out. He says, yeah. And then you hear another loud cry, groan, sort of scream, almost like a growl coming from the final cell. And the mother superior says, And this poor lady, Almudena, yes, she has been here the longest. She is a very sweet lady, but 
Yes, it is very sad. I don't want to tell you your business, Madre, but have you ever thought about just drugging her? Ah, we do not do things like that here. We are not a, a true hospital. We All we do is care for them. And you realise that the window here actually, the barred window actually has a shutter over it. And she slides open the shutter with this metallic scrape. And she points and says, Almudena, no, calmate, calmate. It is friends, friends. And when you crane your necks round to look inside, you see something that, to say it's a little bit disturbing would be an understatement. What you see inside is only notionally human. The mutations, the changes to her bone structure and physiology are so extreme that it's hard to tell what are arms and what are legs and the way her head just seems to hang down underneath the body and her back is arched upwards in this horrific backward curving slope and with this guttural scream she lifts her head up and it is just a vision of the darkest nightmare you've ever seen and I guess you're staring goggle eyed and the mother says you see there is no, not possible to cure this this poor lady and yeah I think you're going to have to make a sanity roll please Sid sure Oh, yeah, you're fine, but you do lose a point of sanity. <laughs> Tell me what, what your reaction is to seeing this just monstrosity. I think Sid's mouth drops open and voluntarily steps back, catching his breath, and fights the nausea, fights the horror. And so eventually, you know, just after a couple of deep breaths, says to the Mother Superior, You're right, Madre, there. There may not be any treatment for her, but I think we can still make her a star. Yeah. And Jimmy says, Fucking hell, Sid. I think we've hit the mother load. Haven't we just, mate? Haven't we just? Did I say ten times return? I mean, we're talking twenty, thirty times here. Right. And we will leave you there. TJ. Yeah. So, why don't you paint the scene then, Trey? Well, you know, we've just come ashore, my entire entourage. We got in early this morning in our ship, the Lamprey 2. We're just kind of getting a lay of the land at this point. Morton, that's Big Mo, Sinjin is our cook, and um, he'll provide some sort of luau on the beach, I'm, I'm sure, tonight. And so he's making preparations there, and uh, my navigator and guide, Judas, is walking the beach with me, and we're kind of planning out the next day's activities and trying to kind of keep our distance from the rest of the crew. My local accountant is also with us so we can keep everything straight and organized. Mm. And you've moored up in a beautiful bay. The crystalline waters are, are spectacular and clear. And there's a horseshoe-shaped beach that you've been walking along. The Beyond are the pine trees. You know from your circumnavigation of the island that there are many places to moor, but this seemed to be the most beautiful. You're probably about three or four miles away from the port of San Pedro. It's about four miles away. Did you sail across the Atlantic, or did you? is this a, a, one of your European vessels? We've been all over uh, the Atlantic Ocean, uh, the Caribbean, and the Bahamas, and uh, we made our way across. Uh, it's, it's honestly an expeditionary vessel, been converted more to a yacht, so it's seaworthy enough uh, to get us where we need to be. 
so it's uh what 50 foot yacht bigger oh probably bigger it's a converted expeditionary vessel so it's of good size it's not much to look at but it serves a purpose Poor young Judas, when he was a, a young child, he had Yostasis, which was actually very prevalent in Haiti in the 30s, 40s, 50s. And it causes uh, lots of scarring, disfiguration, especially early on. They didn't know how to deal with such a disease. And uh, there was been an attempt to cut away some of the more prevalent nodules on his neck that had resulted in some damage to his voice box. And unfortunately, he doesn't speak much and uh, more than a whisper. Or, you know, he doesn't have a full voice, um, and so it would be hard to make out any accent anyway. Okay, alright. Sounds good. I'm gonna whisper. This one's for the ASMR fans. Of which there are many. Right, so you're walking along, and Judas is is keeping pace with you. You're, I guess you're quite a fast walker. I just don't know why I imagine that. I imagine you're a fast walker. Yeah, and obviously you've been discussing the plans. Absolutely. And it's exciting. It's exciting. If you look at this horseshoe-shaped bay, uh, you know there's a, probably a deep blue hole in the middle. And it's exactly the kind of thing we're looking for, because if we go out and we find some place where the bay is only, say, 20 meters deep, then we're only going back maybe 3,000 years in history. But if we can find places where, you know, we've got a, a nice blue hole that might be, say, 50 meters deep. That makes for a much more interesting find because we could be going back. Um, when you look at the ecological record of where settlements would have been in those time frames, we could be 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 BC at that point, and the sort of art and antique finds that uh, might follow from one of these uh, ancient island nations as the earth has warmed over the years from the last ice age um, could be phenomenal and i'm really excited about the potential of this bay in, in general i can't wait to get out there and dive tomorrow monsieur Sizer, from what we have read it appears that the major archaeological locations are more inland however it seems there might be some undiscovered areas like you say and that's exactly my point, Judas. That's exactly my point. Because when you look at an area like this, everyone knows about the Roman and the Greek and even the Minoan uh, that may have been in this area. Um, but what, what people fail to realize is that the oceans have been steadily rising for the last 15,000 years. And if you go back far enough, you're going to find civilizations that have risen and fallen. It's quite natural for people to build their civilizations on the banks of the ocean, on the, the ocean shore. These are the best lands that there are, but the oceans have risen 150 meters in the last 15,000 years. Can you imagine the undiscovered things that could be out there, the undiscovered greater civilizations that were just swept away in history as invading sea peoples or myths of Atlantis? I was about to say, maybe you discover Atlantis, yes, uh, make a name. I mean, in the long term, it's not about making a name, it's about uh, capturing pieces of history. Honestly, that's that's the most important thing is that we get out there and find a little bit of history and you look at a piece of art that someone created five, six thousand years ago that someone committed the images in their brain and they committed those to pottery or to a, even a cave wall. The communication over the ages from the ancients to now that comes through that canvas is just, you can't put a dollar amount. You can't put a dollar amount on that, Judas. Very wise, boss. Very wise. You always have a deeper appreciation of why, what we are doing. I am a, a simple businessman compared to you, sir. Oh, now don't sell yourself short, friend. Don't sell yourself short here. 
you're the brains behind the the seafaring part of this whole thing, and you know it. Well, this yacht is, it is not a cheap undertaking, as you must uh, be aware, sir. Uh, we must uh, keep the coffers flowing, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, and we must also be on the lookout for any new investments, because, um, you know, as you know, my money is finite. It's nearly unlimited, but it's not growing on its own. We have to keep building, if, if you will. TJ's character has a 99 credit rating. <laughs> Fucking hell. I thought I was excessive at 60. <laughs> yeah. He can literally buy his way out of anything. Right. So, yeah. So, you spend a pleasant afternoon scouting the beach, maybe looking at the geology, trying to understand whether there truly could be some interesting places to dive. And by about mid-afternoon, Judah says, Well, I think there is only one thing for us to do. Maybe we have a little... You know, have a little look. Just a quick reconnaissance before we set up the proper dive. Do you think that uh, would be to your liking, sir? No, yeah, I grab the Zodiac and just head out for a little bit and see what we can see. Where, where, yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. Now, maybe we take Henry with us as well, get him kitted up. Always good to have three when we dive, no, in a new place. Well, let's take Anders, just because since he's writing my autobiography for me, he needs to be available and to, to just see anything that might happen. This, there could be a little bit of adventure or intrigue, you know, going out in the bay at night. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Anders, he looks up, he says, Anders, please, civil player, you come with the boss and with me, we take the first exploratory dive into the blue hole. Okay, so you get back on the Zodiac. And you've got your scuba gear. I don't think you need a wetsuit. It's summer in the Mediterranean. You know, the water actually is very warm. I mean, relatively, certainly compared to dives that you've done in the Atlantic. So perhaps you just maybe wear scuba shorts. That's definitely a very 70s kind of look you're describing, and I like it. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, just the shorts, just the kind of cut-off uh, neoprene shorts with your bright yellow air tanks strapped to the back your big uh, yellow goggles and bright red flippers <laughs> and your bright red flippers and uh, the three of you check your equipment and yeah you one by one plunge off the side of the zodiac and head down into the crystalline water which gradually gets bluer and bluer and darker as you head down into this I guess, sinkhole of some kind in the middle of the bay, which, knowing what I know about Mediterranean geology, probably doesn't exist in the Mediterranean, but let's go with it. And, yeah, so you dive down, and at first it's it's really just a natural formation as, as you dive down. Why don't you make me a spot-hidden roll? Do you want to spend 20 luck on that? It's a, it's a lot of luck. I wouldn't even know what I was spending the 20 luck on. I didn't see it in the first place. So I, I, didn't, I didn't spot it. Okay. You didn't spot it, but let's see. I'll roll for... Oh, yes, well, Judas perhaps is a little bit more perceptive than you. That might be how to put that it. That really goes without saying. Mm. And he makes one of the signals, the typical signals that you would make uh, in this situation, and then he gets your attention and he points downwards. And you see that the rough natural rock 
some way down it's hard to make out in the increasingly dark waters it seems you see like an edge like a not particularly clean or straight edge but it definitely seems like it's been shaped in some way it might just be a fluke but you've been doing this long enough to know that straight lines don't really exist down here and if you see something like that it tends to indicate something man-made that's exactly the kind of thing we're looking for um since this is a impromptu dive though we probably have no real way of communicating so other than maybe hand signals I'll, I'll, i guess he would point that out to me yeah he does indeed does that make sense yeah absolutely and anders as well looks down and then i guess judas and anders both sort of rotate around in the water and, and head down towards this edge to see see get a closer look at it do you go with them or are you gonna stay yeah, of course well, all right i'm traveling in a school if you will <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and you get down maybe another it's probably another 30 feet down so it's actually you're quite deep now you're getting into depth where you're gonna have to make your way slowly back up to avoid any unpleasantness so you've gone down about 50 feet so you now you know that you're going to have to take your time coming up it'll probably a good 10 minutes to come back up you'll have to be careful and watch your your nitrogen levels and all of that but you get down and yeah on closer examination it seems to be dressed stone like very ancient dressed stone block it is heavily eroded but an interesting find nonetheless of course impossible to tell at this point how old but definitely human activity and you know Anders goes one way around to have a look and Judas goes the other way and then suddenly there's a flurry of, of bubbles and movement coming from the side that Anders went round to and then to your shock you see a billowing cloud of dark liquid that can only be blood just rising up where Anders was and then you see him with a jerky and frantic motion he's kind of swimming back towards you and you see that he's missing his left hand his left hand is just gone and there's this cloud blood just kind of pumping out into the sea and you can see through his goggles his eyes have this absolute look of terror and he's frantically he's like clutching his wrist you can see he's like starting to turn around in the water I want to provide immediate first aid. Um, try to staunch the bleeding there. That's that's it's a dangerous injury underwater to have befallen him. I'm not sure exactly how it happened. I will say that initially I, I thought a red cloud had enveloped him. I didn't understand fully that it was coming from him. I was confusing. It's just something you're not expecting to see. And I guess you probably take off your belt that's got your tools on it and you tie it around his his forearm and of course the awful realization now is that you're going to have to like guide him up for you know you can't get him onto the boat for another 10 minutes and he's he obviously realizes that as well and you can see he's he's struggling to keep the breather in his mouth because he's in so much pain and judas is a swum over as well and is, is kind of trying to calm him down trying to like hold on to him as well and what i'd like you to do is make a scuba roll a diving roll look at that Roll20 loves you today, TJ. It's because I'm playing my character seriously and not being a buffoon. Yes, I think that's it. And 
you gradually increments you move up five feet at a time and i don't know tell me what's going through your head during all this time it's, it's, it must be an awful experience it's definitely daunting i mean life is a series of small catastrophes that you have to turn into beautiful moments so you have to find the art and the beauty and everything so you got to take your time getting to the surface you just you know kind of swim in large looping figure eights all the way up and enjoy the beauty of the oh, i guess in this case the blood trailing out of your i wouldn't say friend because anders is a paid employee but um, your acquaintance's stub of an arm and I um, just hope for the best, but I, I, I will say that I'm, I'm watching him carefully for signs that he might be getting faint because if at any point it looks like he's not going to make it, we'll take our chances with the bends and just try to get him to some sort of emergency first aid if need be. Can you make me a luck roll? You can and I will. Yep, the gods are with you. I, they are. Maybe as you get to the last five meters, or five feet, let's say, you actually did see a couple of sharks entering the blue hole obviously attracted by the blood and as you haul Anders back out onto the deck you can see he's starting to go into shock he's kind of convulsing and he's Judas takes the breather out of his mouth and he spits out some water that he'd swallowed and, and lifts the mask up and, and they try and comfort him as best as he can Anders is, is like groaning in pain and almost delirium at this point but he's trying to tell you something yeah, I'm listening because I'm I'm very curious. I, I want to ask him if he's well enough. Um, what exactly happened down there? Because I didn't get a good look really at anything other than there was just an explosion, a flurry of crimson matter, and then my acquaintance is minus a hand, which is not a place you want to be by any stretch of the imagination. And you can see now that you've got him on, on dry land that there's, or on the boat rather, that it's a ragged stump, that there's ribbons of flesh hanging off the bone his forearm bone has been bitten clean through. There's clearly something bit his hand off. And there are strips of skin hanging and flesh. And he lifts his head up to you and he says, he whispers something in your ear that you can almost can't hear. It's, it's too quiet to hear. Maybe you lean a bit closer. And he says, Her mouth was full of the sharpest teeth. And then he passes out. It's obviously some sort of eel attack. That's unfortunate. We'll get him airlifted out of here and back home. I don't know who's going to ghostwrite my autobiography. In the meantime, we'll deal with that, I guess, when the time comes. Maybe I can co-opt someone else for the duty. That's a, it's a terrible stretch of events, but we can't slow down our progress on our main goal. So we'll, we'll get him taken care of, and I really hope that there's pork for dinner. I'm really looking forward to the luau. I take it we probably can't find pineapple in an area like this we're, since we're in the med but I'm sure there's some sort of local flavor that'll make for a, a nice delicious spread and it's too bad he's not going to get to partake of that too bad too bad indeed and we will leave the very kind and caring Carol Trey Sizer there on, on his boat with his fortunately his, his autobiographer Anders is right handed so he can still write your autobiography for you <laughs> And we will move over then to uh, Ray. Ray Mayton. Or is it Matten? Mayton, Mayton. Mayton. Ray Mayton. Yeah, yeah. So, Ray. Ray, you're sitting there on this sweltering hot day. 
I guess it's one of those days when you're wondering why you ever came out here in the first place because it is absolutely scorching. But you are keeping your beady eyes on these labourers who you've got who've been spending an inordinate amount of time digging this bloody hole that you're going to turn into a beautiful swimming pool. Angie, your trophy wife, wearing her bikini and high heels and a, and a sort of chiffon robe. She's standing in the shade of the veranda, drinking her third Cinzano and lemon of the morning. God, this is a fucking joke, isn't it? I can't handle it. Can you do me one of them Cinzanos, please, Ange? I mean... Ugh. Yeah, coming up, coming right up, love. I told you to get some English lads over. These Spaniards, they're so slow, ain't they? Look, we've got to leave all that behind. I've told you, we, we're making a fresh start here. I can't speak to the boys anymore. You know you know why that is. That job went south and it was a fucking bloodbath. You know I don't like to think about those things, Ray. I, I don't even know how you make the money. I just like to spend it. You know me. Exactly, exactly. And that's why we're here, to start afresh, start anew, leave all that, put all that behind us, right? Yeah. I just wish these fucking clowns would do the, I mean, who puts a deep end up this end, near the house? Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Well, I suppose you could always dive out the window, <laughs> you know, from the bedroom, if you want. Oh, I just wanted to, you know, and I didn't even want it bloody square, did I? We spoke about this. It was going to be a nice kidney shape, some nice steps leading into it. And now, what, I've just got a great big bloody hole in the garden. Well, isn't that what a swimming pool is, Ray? Yeah, but I want something a bit more finesse than just some bloody... This could be a cesspit looking at it right now. Now, have you changed your mind about getting the pink tiles? Look, whatever you want, Ange. Okay, I know we've been through this, but it's it's been a rough old time for for the pair of us, and I think that, yeah, we'll go with a pink. We'll go with a pink. It's fine. Oh, thank you, love. Thank you, love. I'll, I'll get you that Cinzano coming right up. Okay, not too strong, though. Oh, Just, right. you know, you know where I am. I, I, I want to, you know, put that behind us as well. You know, probably for the best. Probably for the best. Little, little uh, not not so heavy on the booze, you know. And she swishes off into the uh, relative coolness of the interior of your of your rather gaudy, I suppose, looking villa that you built. Oh, I suppose what six months ago is it? Yeah, yeah, about about that, about that. Yeah, yeah. still being finished. Still being finished, yeah. The air conditioning hasn't been installed yet, and that's been a bit of a nightmare these last couple of months. Fucking ridiculous. You wouldn't believe it. You wake up every morning with the sheets soaked with sweat. Too hard. It's, I know, it's, it's I know. too much to take. Being basted here. Broiled. And there are six men, six Spanish island men, now very dirty, white shirts and dark trousers uh, they're not really dressed for the work but their sweat stained clothing is clinging to their bodies as they fairly they don't really talk much this lot they're very taciturn they're, they're not exactly friendly they don't turn up too late every morning but it seems like they work in slow motion you've been around at plenty of building sites in your time you've never seen anything like this before they seem to stop every 20 minutes and get out and have a have a fag and maybe have a nip of brandy or something and well, I mean, you can't really communicate with them. The, the foreman only shows up once a week. So you're stuck here having to just watch this torturous progress as your pool is slowly being dug out. 
Yeah, well, you know, beggars can't be choosers. I'm kind of stuck with this lot, really. I, there's not a lot of options on this island. They'll get it finished one day, I guess. And I, I suppose it's a, a bonus they're not fucking gabbing all the time as well. Mm, mm. At least I don't have to listen to that. And Angie comes out a few minutes later with a, you know, it's probably half and half, half lemonade, half Cinzano. It's actually very refreshing. She's popped a couple of ice cubes in it as well, which is nice. Nice. Yeah. She said, I couldn't find any maraschino cherries, Ray. We we run out. I'll have to nip into the into town, see what I can, I can get later on. But uh, Right. Yeah, I won't worry about it. won't worry about it. And she sits down on the lounger next to you. And she starts applying the suntan lotion, the uh, coconut oil suntan lotion to her already bronzed and lithe body as she sits next to you. And you can't help but notice that a couple of the workmen seem to have slowed down to a complete halt. They've got their shovels just like resting in the mud and they're just kind of looking over, running their eyes up and down Angie's Angie's live body, seemingly unconcerned that it might be seen as a uh, faux pas or a uh, or, or something uh, undesirable. Oi, you lot! You got work to do. Get your eye on a job. They sort of sullenly look at you, and one of them says, "No comprende, señor. No comprende." I just gesture, and the, and they kind of nod with a sour look on their faces and very slowly turn back to their dig they're digging it's about two in the afternoon now and after about another ten minutes they all just put their shovels down in this half dug pit and they just all climb up out of the hole and they just sit down under the shade of a tree and they light up their cigarettes and they just sit there one of them is like staring over at you again and you're acutely conscious of how much time is passing this is longer than their regular sort of 10 minute cigarette break 20 minutes passes and then 30 minutes and none of them seem to be inclined to get back to work look and hold my drink i'm gonna go over there give have a word with these pillocks she says oh don't get don't cause any trouble ray i know your temper look don't you worry about it i've got this in hand okay so you you walk over to them and they just ignore you they're just sitting there smoking away one of them's got a little hip flask of brandy that he's passing around unconcernedly you realize i'm paying you for this little picnic here huh one looks up and says okay how many days has it been no comprende senor hables espanol <laughs> and they all laugh when he says that pricks i'll storm off back to the house okay and Angie follows you in. She says, you've got to get rid of them. They're absolutely useless, Ray. One of them couldn't keep his eyes off me earlier. Aren't you going to say something? Speak to the foreman. I'll deal with that. I mean, maybe you shouldn't be prancing around in a frigging negligee or whatever that is, as it is. This is our home, Ray. We can do what we want here. I know. And once we get that hole in the ground sorted, we can do what we want, right? But at the moment, I mean... They've got me over a barrel here, you know? I've got a hole, half dug, supposed to be a pool. I don't know what's going on. I've got these tiles being delivered. I've got nowhere to put them. It's ridiculous. Oh, Ray. I thought this was going to be our paradise home. It's turning into a bit of a nightmare, isn't it? 
I know, Ange, I know, Ange, but you know, give it time. You've got to be patient. No, that's not a strong suit of mine, but hang in there. We'll get this sorted. So maybe you have a bit of a spot of lunch or whatever, and you, you can't keep your eyes off the sight of this group of men who just who seem to have basically packed it in for the day. They're still just sitting there. An hour has gone by, maybe two hours. And Angie says, go and, go and, go and speak to them, Ray. I, I don't like it. What are they doing here? If they're not working, what, what are they doing here, Ray? All right, Ange, I'll go and have another word with them. See if I can, if, if they can't get on with a job, I'll get them to clear off and we'll see if we can find some other monkeys to come and do it. So you... Yeah, I'm heading back. You head on out. And as you're approaching, they sort of take note of you this time. They seem to have sensed, uh, maybe from your face, your expression, maybe from the way you're striding purposely out, that your mood has somewhat soured. And you get about halfway towards them, and in unison, all six of them just sort of stand up and turn to face you. And as you walk towards them, they all step forward together, as if in unison, in marching in unison. And they just come to meet you halfway. And all six of them are just sort of standing there. A couple of them have got their shovels with them, and they've got them kind of just resting gently on the ground. And they're all just staring you in the eyes. You're up close to them now. You can catch a reek of sweat and stale tobacco coming off them. And there's also an odd smell as well that you can't quite place. Smells a bit floral, weirdly. Like, just unexpected, because you wouldn't expect them to smell of anything sweet or perfumed. But yeah, almost like perfumed soap or something. Very odd. The most pressing impression you get is of intense hostility coming from all of them as they stand there silently looking, staring you, almost willing you to do something. Who's the, the biggest one? Oh, shit. Always hit the biggest one first, is that right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's say the one in the middle, the one in the middle is the biggest one who's right in front of you. I haven't grabbed anything, have I, on my way out? No. Right, so is there a shovel here or something that's unattended? Yeah, probably. Why not? Right, I'm going to pick up the shovel. Yeah. Head towards the, the largest one and kind of strike the pose of be as threatening as possible without actually doing anything just yet. See if they get a message. And they look at you and then they all start laughing. But it's not a humorous laugh. It's like a there's something off about it like as a joke that you've not been let in on and then with broad smiles they just drop their shovels and turn around and slowly slope off back down towards the village but thank fuck for that i don't want to be making more enemies around here although i was itching for a bit of action but i'm glad we kept a lid on that and angie comes out and she says oh ray i'm proud of you ray I thought you were going to deck that big one for a minute. Did you tell them to sling their hooks? That's exactly what I did, Angie. Oh. I didn't want to make a mess of things. I mean, these are just local boys. I want you to be able to go down and do your shopping without worrying about Herbert's following you about. And then she says, oh, look, what one of those idiots. He's left his bloody shirt here. And she bends down. She goes over to the, where they were sitting and she picks it up. With a sort of disgusted look, says, I'm putting this right in the bin. And she says, 
What's that smell? I mean, apart from all the other smells. Smells of flowers, Ray. Oh, no, I did notice that. And I think that's where we will end it. Hmm, intriguing. <laughs>